Welcome to Shopcast, a weekly podcast where we answer questions about some of the most important values of the growing prayer movement in Canada. My name is Emily, and joining me today, as always, is Brian Creary, Director of Sanctuary House of Prayer in Winnipeg, and also my dad. Hi, Em. Hi. It's episode two, Mm -hmm. season two, episode two. So today we're going to start off the new season talking about the emotions of God. And I was just saying on the break before that we have a bunch of topics to help us with our time in isolation and everything and some practical things that we could do. But um, I just thought starting with the emotions of God is a good idea because it helps know who you're actually going to be praying to and studying in the Bible. So it's better, you know, who he is. So Mm, that's a good suggestion. I wanted to start with the book of Revelation. (laughs) We're going to do that one eventually, but maybe not today. We won't do it today. So that's a good, that's a, I think it is a really good idea to start with that. Um, And the emotions of God. Yeah. It's a great topic. Yeah. So let's just get right into it then. Okay, well, so um, the emotions of God is, um, for most people, I would say they almost never think about this. Mm. I would say that just generally in the, the reading of their Bibles and in the way that they, they hear sermons presented in their churches, I would say that most people almost give no time or effort to this idea. And it's a, it's a funny one because if you do read your Bible, you're picking it up all the time, but you're not processing it or, or you're not bringing it in to, to benefit you. You're not, you're not growing in the knowledge of God through it. So I'll ask you a question. When you think about God in the Old Testament, okay, just the Old Testament, what kind of emotions do you think are most common for him? When you think about him, when you think about those stories, you think he is mostly what? Hmm. I... Like, I want to say something, but I know it's not true, but... Yeah, well, just give me what first thing that comes to your head. The first thing that comes to my head, and I feel like most people that don't know it that well, I feel like people divide up, like, the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament Mm -hmm. a lot. And they think, like, Old Testament is stern and, like, angry and far away. That's them. And then Jesus comes in and it's all light and fluffy. Right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Right? When you think Old Testament God, you immediately think stern and angry. Mm -hmm. He's mostly angry at people. He's mostly disappointed at everything that they do all the time. That's kind of the, you know, without a a decent reading of it or without any processing of it, that's what we think right away. And then we think about the New Testament. Jesus is a friend of children. You know, we've got that (laughs) that famous picture. He's got a lamb around his neck, you know, and he's like, he likes farm animals now. I mean, (laughs) who who doesn't love Jesus? Everybody loves him. He's, except for the guys that wanted to kill him, of course. But it's this really stereotypical kind of version of what God is like. And then to make matters worse, the because of those those pictures that we have in our in our minds, you hate to say it, but we actually kind of separate God of the Old Testament and God of the New Testament like they're two different people, mm-hmm. or Jesus and the Father are two different people, or worse than that, somewhere in there they completely change their approach. Even if they're one, and I, I'm assuming you know this, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, there's only one God, right? So they're one. But they changed their plan. Like they had a board meeting. Okay, this isn't going well. Yeah, right. <laughs> they were in a really bad mood for the first um, you know, time with the Jews. And then they said, we've got to start over. Let's try to be a little nicer to people. 
<laughs> and that's kind of the way that people think about how God's emotions work. And the re- really the reason is because they they haven't spent a lot of time really uh, looking at what they're seeing. So reading through your scriptures or, again, lear- listening to teaching that em- that emphasizes it really helps too. And so then you're not catching the emotional responses of the Lord when they're more subtle or when they're more positive. And you're not catching them. You're not seeing Jesus angry. And you're also not seeing the the Old Testament father, Yahweh, described in positive terms. You don't see love. You don't see desire. You don't see anything positive. You just see angry and stern because, well, I mean, you know, there's the flood and then there's the, you know, there's a number of things that can convey that uh, in terms of his actions, but there's more to it. And and I think the big thing is that if you want to really think about the background of it, there's only one God and he didn't change. I mean, God never changes. That's that's just central to what we understand about the, the Bible. So when we think about God, he's the same one at the beginning as he is right now. This isn't really about the Trinity, but I mean, who, who created the world? You could say Jesus. It's the, Biblically, that's true. Colossians 1 says Jesus created all things through him and for him. And you could say it was the Holy Spirit creator. Well, yes, he was there too. He was part of the process. And then you could just make your way along all the events of the of the Bible. There's specific uh, language to describe them, but there is only one God. So therefore, Jesus was in on everything, and the Father was in on everything, and that's that's just how it works. And so He doesn't change. We change. We discover new things. We see new things. And so it's very important that we understand what does He actually thinking like. What is He actually? What is what's going on there? He's got a lot of emotions in the Bible. And emotions are important. Well, we'll get to that in a second. But so that's sort of the background. That's kind of that's kind of uh, the way that we approach it. Oh, and I'll say I'll just say one more thing. I love the church because I know it's the Lord's bride. I know it's His body. I know that Jesus describes His body. The body of Christ is the church. But we are collectively right now, particularly in the West, fairly weak and easily distracted as it relates to a lot of these kinds of things. And if you're getting a heavy dose of sermons that are mostly teaching principles, extracting principles and and life lessons, things that you can apply to your life to make your life work better, and you're not hearing about the nature and the character of God, then if that's the situation that you're in, don't try to fix your pastor because he's doing the best he can, but go and find some more information. Go and dig out uh, these things and other resources. Get something online you can listen to. Find some books you can read because there's more to the story than what you're getting at this point. And you only get one shot at this. You know, you're going to live your 70, 80, 90 years and then that's it. So make the most of it for you. Find out what the Lord thinks. Okay, so why does it matter right now in this time of isolation? Yeah, okay, so... So the Lord says, as I mentioned last time in the first episode, that this is a season where we can grow in the knowledge of God and that we would should embrace this invitation. And so why does it matter what he thinks? Well, it, it matters enormously if you think it through. What if you thought that Jesus right now didn't have any demands upon you at all? He was just, again, friend of children. He liked farm animals. He was just a nice teacher that walked, you know, the lands of Israel for a few years, taught agricultural parables, you know, and then died at the end and came back from the dead to take care of your sins. And then that's it. He doesn't expect anything from you ever. And that's all you have in your grid. And now we're in this season where everything is so disrupted. We're thinking about him 
in a way where we don't, well, first of all, we probably don't even know what he thinks. Nobody could probably even come up with it. And if I said to you right now, Emily, give me the five emotions that the Jesus feels concerning this pandemic, you'd be guessing at best. Yep. Yeah, we don't really know, do we? And and it's a it's a that's a loss. That's a loss for his church that we can't even say, oh no, we know what he's like. We know how he feels. We know the kinds of emotions that he has concerning these kinds of things. We know how deeply he has love and desire for his church and for the individual. I feel like we would have even said that, like we could have said that more confidently before. Like, without conflict, you're so confident in your ability to describe what Jesus is like and everything. And then as soon as conflict hits, you're like, okay, totally. I don't understand. That's what the, That is the whole point. You just nailed it right on the head. When there was no pressure, we had it all beautifully packaged. We knew all the theological answers. We were confident in everything. And then the moment we had some pressure and it was pushing against that, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know what he's thinking. Oh, no. You know, and then you, you're you reaching. You're trying to figure out what the answers are, but you don't have good answers. You just don't because there's never been any real investment in what does he think? How does he feel? What are his emotions like? So it matters right now in this time of isolation because you might be sitting at home and you're thinking to yourself, God doesn't care at all. Mm-hmm. Now, here I am and my life's been disrupted and everybody that I know has been disrupted and some of my neighbors have been sick and the guy down the street actually had to go into the hospital and, and I heard about some people in another city that died from this thing and other businesses went out, you know, crashed and burned because they couldn't make a go of it and there's been suffering. There's been confusion. My church is spinning out of control because they're only on YouTube and that's not really, you know, how do you do church? And and I don't know. And I feel like God doesn't care. And so we've just placed on him an emotion, mm-hmm. disinterest. He just doesn't care. He's not interested in me. Except that it's not true. Biblically, that's just not true. And so we need to search for what is true. We need to say, Lord, you got to show me what you're really like, what you're really, what your real emotions are. Are you sad when people suffer? Do you feel the emotion of, of empathy towards them where you, you can recognize their pain and you feel bad for them because they're in pain and you don't long to have them suffer, but you would like to, to come and to change circumstances for them so that it would be better for them? Not like Santa Claus where he passes out gifts, but so that they would really be in a better place and they would really grow and change and, and be healthier and stronger and, and just in a better relationship. Is that actually true? Because if it's not, and he just doesn't care, I mean, we need to know the answer to that. And I think a lot of people are sitting at home thinking that. Or worse, they're thinking, oh yeah, he cares. He did this to me on purpose. I was just thinking that like a lot of people are probably thinking that whole like why do bad things happen to good people? Right. It is a more relevant question, especially now. Mm-hmm. Just and like genuine a lot of the time now just it is confusing and I for me like I don't understand at points like Sure. If you just said that, like, the Lord, like, brought this, like, this wasn't a mistake. Yeah. How at the same time are people just 
like dying all over the place from it too. Mm. Yeah, those are large questions, right? How do we understand the Lord's interaction with people when their lives are at stake? Mm-hmm. And people, some people live and some people don't live. People die and and it's confrontational to our sense of what's right and wrong, what's just or unjust in the world. Except that, again, what is the Lord feeling? What are his emotions? And so it's really important that we get aligned with that. I can tell you all day, I just, you know, we're father-daughter, right? So when you were growing up, my rules were were the rules. Mm-hmm. So eat your vegetables. <laughs> now, you could, you could argue with me as a four-year-old and say, why? Why should I eat my vegetables? Give me the, you know, the medicinal benefits of it and <laughs> tell me why, you know, it's important for my... And I could argue with you, but I don't argue with a four-year-old. I just say, no, I'm the boss. This is my house. Eat your vegetables, mm-hmm. right? And that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not quite like that with God because he gives us a lot of free reign to, to move. But one of us is God and one of us isn't. And one of us says, Jesus, I love you and I'm going to make you my Savior and my Lord. I'm going to live for you. And one of us is the Lord and one of us isn't. And we still struggle with that. We're not, we haven't found our way into understanding, wow, what he's feeling right now really matters. I need to find that out so I can move with him instead of just constantly be you know, guessing and trying to figure it out and, and raising up my own sense of what I think is right and what I think I should do and, and not consulting with him. And a lot of times it's not a question of being rebellious. We just don't know. We just never bothered to look at it. Old Testament, ugh, he's too angry. I'm not reading that. <laughs> and it's not really actually true. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are like some actual practical things that we can do regarding this topic? Hmm. Okay, so a couple things. If you're going to get the emotions of God, you've got to, first of all, you got to find them. So it's back to the Bible. And I think I'm probably going to end up saying that a lot in this season, but it's worth it to begin to look and to begin to read and see whether or not God is even emotional to begin with. And so I heard a guy do this. I've never done this myself, but I heard people say, I got myself a new Bible and I got a highlighter. I got a number of different colors. And I started in Genesis 1, and every time I got a, an emotion that was love, I underlined it red, and every time I got one that was anger, I, I made it blue, and every time it was something else, sadness or disappointment, I made it a different color, and I just underlined every one where I saw the emotions of God, and I just went through straight through the whole Bible, and I underlined them all. And by the end, the time I got to the end of the Bible, my life had been changed, wow. because I just realized, oh, wow, he's feeling, feelings, feelings mm-hmm. all the time. That's a good idea. It is a good idea. Yeah, I've never done it. I should actually probably do it, you know, mm-hmm. just get a new Bible and go for it. But it was profound when I thought, yeah, you would really know the emotions that he has. You'd really know when he's when he's angry, but you'd really know when he's disappointed, but you'd also really know when he has great desire and longs for people to change and to turn back to him. And, you know, I can think of examples in the both in the old, new, old and New Testament where the longing and desire of the Lord far outweighs even the, the, the disappointment and the anger in the short term. So there's a lot going on there that we could learn. So I would say the first thing, get yourself a Bible and start to look. And you got to do it methodically, but you got lots of time. You're in isolation. <laughs> some of you are. So you make your way through and you just do it. You make it a project. You don't try to do the whole Bible in a, in a month. You just slowly but surely go through, underline it. And then the second thing you want to do is you want to talk to the Lord about it. Mm -hmm. Because if it's just a study, 
you got some information, but you want to turn it into a dis- conversation with him. So as you're reading and you see something and you go, wow, Lord, you really felt passionately about that. Pause and talk to him and say, Lord, th- th- I never saw this before. You were very passionate in this moment. and you, 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 were, you were leading with your emotions. But I know your emotions are perfect because you're God. So, so what was going on there? And I, I don't, you know, I can't feel that. Can you help me to feel what it is that you're feeling and let him do that for you? And I think the the combination of those two things will produce something really life-changing, actually. And we'll get some of the emotions of God, which is in this moment, in isolation, it's what you want. Mm-hmm. Well, that's all we have time for today. If you want more information on this topic and others, you can check out our website at sanctuaryhop.com. And on behalf of myself and my dad, thanks for listening to ShopCast. Thank you.